So Sam, welcome back to Montreal. Thank you. You know what's really funny, David? No. So the border between Quebec and Ontario, mm -hmm. this is a joke that I'm going to steal from a friend, is the only border I believe in, first of all. <laughs> Please expand. I'm obviously against borders, but I believe the Ontario-Quebec border is a necessary one. Um, I'm kind of joking. Anyways, the point of the story is when you cross that border, Quebec is notorious for bad roads. Yes. However, when you cross the border for the first like three minutes on the Quebec side, it's like perfectly paved. Really? And then it turns into potholes They're again. keeping up appearances yeah. for the Toronto or for, for the Ontario gaze. But it's funny because there's like for four to seven minutes, there's like nice paved road on the highway and then it just devolves. Um, but how is your how is your time in Toronto? Pretty great. Rode a bunch of streetcars. You can kind of get in without paying the full sum. You, oh, you, don't, want, you don't want to say that on air. <laughs> The TTC will come. They're going to come after you, Sam. What and you... let's put on some opera music and continue this conversation. Wait, are you afraid of the TTC? I have reason to be afraid. Actually, David, I have a very good question for you and for our listeners. Okay, so what's your question? Which national slogan is more racist? Ontario, yours to discover, or Quebec, je me souviens? Now, for those who don't speak French, it means uh, I remember. Um, I think it's tied for last place. They're both terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Because like the Quebec one is remembering like this racist settler colonial history. But the years to discover, the Ontario one, is this kind of nice Canadian, like we're welcoming, blah, blah, blah. But the underpinning of that is like years to discover, settler colonialism. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good representation of the different ways that white supremacy plays out in both of those places. Totally, but you didn't give me an answer on which one's worse. I think, I think they're tied. Tied is not a worse. Yeah, but Sam, if I asked you, does white supremacy play out worse in Quebec than the rest of Canada, what would you say? That's a very good question. You would say the same thing I'm saying. You say it plays out differently. David Zinman, unwilling to play games on Trafe. No, I, I, I give an answer. You gave a tied answer. Yeah. All right, moving on. What are we doing on the podcast? Uh, so we got in touch with two members of Judas, the radical left Jewish group out of the UK. We've talked with uh, members of Judas before, but we wanted to talk about a project they do called Birthwrong where once every year or so, they organize these trips to different parts of the world to engage with Jewish history in those communities. It's like a diasporic answer to birthright. Yeah, the first version of Birthwrong was done in Spain, and the second one was in France. And so we chatted with two folks from Judas, Kezia Berelson and Tamara Mickner. Yeah, Kezia joined us from Marseille, where the most recent Birthwrong just happened when we interviewed them. It had not yet happened. And Tamara was talking to us from London, I believe. Yeah. But Sam, have you been to the Birthwrong website before? I have not. Um, hold on. Let's open it real quick because uh, it has the signature Judas tone. Can you read the first thing that appears on the page? The website starts with a quote allegedly from the Babylonian Talmud <laughs> 2015 that says, Birthwrong is probably the pinnacle of all human achievement. I stood on a rock in a high place and heard a voice on the wind, weeping. Why are you weeping? I asked. Because I heard Birthwrong 2015 in Andalusia was totally banging, but I didn't get to go. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a pretty cool trip. Um, Which already happened, we yeah. should also note. I, it, based on the conversation, this is something they're going to keep doing. So if you're interested, just uh, keep track of Judas's activities. You can join their Facebook group. So this project is really fantastic. Because of scheduling realities, we didn't put it out before the trip. But it's, it's important for folks outside of the UK and outside of Western Europe to hear what this project is all about and what the ideas behind it are and to hear about organizing that's going on there. That's why we're putting out this episode. And uh, we hope you enjoy the conversation.
Kadar. I'm Tamara Mickner. I grew up in Vancouver. I've been living in England for six years, and I'm a journalist and a playwright here. And I've been involved with Judas for a few years, I would say. My name is Kezia Berrelson. I'm from Essex. Uh, I've been living in Marseille for, well, since last summer. And I've been watching Judas from the sidelines of the provinces of the rest of the United Kingdom. Oh, well, thank you both for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So to start off, the reason that we wanted to have you both on the show is uh, we've heard a lot about birth wrong, and we wanted to talk about it and let people know what it is and, and talk about its history. Uh, would you feel comfortable talking about the way that the project started? As I understand, I think it started as a joke in a Nando's chicken restaurant in London. Is that right, Kezia? Am I remembering I it right? I haven't heard that before, but I, I'll believe it. I think it was a Judas gathering and people were talking about birthright and or Israel. And I believe it was one of the Judas members. He just had this thought, I think, like, oh, we should do a birth wrong. And then it actually became something real. Um, you know, it's for people who are tired of Israel's stranglehold on Jewish culture to learn more about diaspora histories and cultures and identities that at least some of us may not know very much about. And I think there's probably a lot of that to be revived and unearthed and celebrated around the world. And this is a start. I guess neither of us went on the first birth wrong, right? Yeah, neither of us was on the first birth wrong, which was in Andalusia, Spain in 2015. So a couple of years ago. And Judas have been wanting to do another birth wrong since then because it was really successful. Initially, there were thoughts to go to Tunisia and eventually we decided that that was too difficult really for those of us who don't take planes and in general, really just a little step too far for what we're aiming to do at the moment considering we don't have that much time, each of us as volunteers. So we decided that Marseille, which had been... A year or two ago, something in the back of Lily's mind or other people's as a really great destination for us to go to. It's the third biggest Jewish community in Europe. And also, it has a very different history and makeup and current political point of view than our communities in the UK. So it felt like a really interesting starting point. So in the ways that the birth wrong trips are engaging with different Jewish histories in, in different areas, can, can you talk a bit about how those trips are planned and how that actually looks? It's planned quite shambolically. Essentially, we get together and have loads of ideas and there's loads of really exciting things that we could do. And then we look at our budget and our constraints and essentially how much time and how much we can really be bothered but I think the thing that's so interesting about this birth wrong in terms of diaspora culture is it's a real opportunity because Europe's hard left or whatever we're calling it these days, Jewish communities are not like North America. And I've found it very interesting trying to meet people to plan certain things and then 
realizing that this is a possibility that this kind of community building is very possible especially in a place like Marseille which isn't like Paris where you do have these kinds of groups so we'll be going on a walking tour of Marseille led by a wonderful old German anarchist who works in this library that just contains things about anarchy in French, Spanish and Italian that's completely self-funded. We will be having a talk by Alessi del Umbria, who is a historian who's recently written a book called A Thousand Years of Marseille. And we'll also be running workshops on combating anti-Semitism in the left and talking about the radicalism of religion within very secular societies and probably just going to eat a lot of nice food and drink quite a lot together. Maybe go swimming. Um, <laughs> Kezia, just to follow up on the point that you were mentioning with regards to the difference between Europe and North America in the sense that you feel that radical leftist Jewish spaces don't really exist or aren't really connected, or did I not interpret what you were saying properly? It's not that you didn't interpret it properly. It's just so I come from a modern Orthodox, B'nai Kiva, Zionist military background, from a very dying Jewish community, which is uh, an area of London which was traditionally very Jewish, and people have moved away. So I'm very interested in this dynamic between provincial or very small dying communities and then big urban hubs. But I mean, for me, I have to admit, I'm a really, really, really big fan of Trafe. And it just blows my mind when I hear about the kind of stuff that's going on. I think there's lots of great stuff going on across Europe from a radical left Jewish perspective. But as someone who's not lived in London for about seven years now, it's very difficult to access that. Does that clear that up? Yeah. You were talking about how you thought that in North America, Jewish radical left seemed very exciting. But I can tell you that sometimes the media reflects more than actually what's going on. Um, David really wants to say something right now. Oh, I think I think there is a lot happening in America, but not on this side of the border as much. But I guess, Kezia, in the spirit of talking about Marseille and the dynamic that exists between Marseille and, and Paris, could you talk about why the radical leftist Jewish spaces are different? I don't know why there aren't more left-wing Jewish spaces. I, th I think it's a combination of things. But the majority of Jews living in Marseille are Algerian, Tunisian, and then Moroccan. They have very fraught, often very, very, very fraught relations with their Muslim neighbours. Because of colonialism, you know, Jews were given French citizenship in Algeria a hundred years before Muslims were. This is very entrenched divide and rule. Uh, the Jewish communities themselves in Marseille, depending on the time that they moved here, are very split between very bourgeois and quite working class. It's difficult. When we talk about how Ashkenazi communities dominate this narrative about being the most left-wing and having all these communists and anarchists and Bundists and people from North African countries, that history has been shelved, not looked into, ignored. And it's something that I find really frustrating because I really want to find out about as someone who's very interested in the Jewish North African diaspora. Tamara, I was wondering if you could talk about when organizing a trip like Birthwrong, 
how you think about re-engaging with histories of Jewish radicalism, understanding the structural realities that are at play? Like, are there discussions about what histories and what cities and what the consequences of that are? Yeah, I've had quite a few discussions even recently with people about those questions. In my experience, people involved in Judas, at least in London, more than not have Ashkenazi heritage or mixed Ashkenazi, Sephardi, Mizrahi. The origins are a kind of Yiddish revivalist vibe from what (laughs) I've experienced. So there is talk about being more inclusive of Sephardi and Mizrahi histories, traditions, rituals, heritages as well, because I think that is an issue. And in my experience, it's been an issue in other Jewish spaces and movements as well, Um, not just in London, but also in North America. We are also interested in creating alternative Jewish communities and alternative Jewish frameworks and ways of living and ways of thinking. And I guess I want to know what has Judas or birthrung organizing come up against and what do you feel are ways of engaging with it? I'm probably going to draw more on my experiences as a Jewish person in radical left spaces here in Marseille. My colleagues and my comrades have been very excited to meet the participants who are coming to birthrung, but also really confused. And I led uh, Seder here, we translated the Birthrung Haggadah, and that kind of, I mean, yeah, I mean, it blew people's minds because I, I find it very bizarre how state-led secularism has ingrained itself so much in radical left-wing spaces. So when I wear my Jewish anti-fascist t-shirt, people find it odd, you know, like religious symbols are illegal in schools here in France. And there was a lot of very uncomfortable discussions about whether we could host something like a Seder in the space. In the end, we decided to, and they didn't pace themselves with the four glasses of wine, so they all had a great time. I think this has been the biggest thing for me moving from Britain, which is quite obsessed with identity politics, to France. It it just feels like it's kind of the discussions that people were having in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, as someone helping organize this from London. I wouldn't say we've had opposition or challenges from wider communities in organizing Birthrong. In terms of applications, I think we had something like 55 from people largely in London, but also actually from quite a few other countries. And one thing that I remember reading several times in people's applications was you know, I, this is exactly the kind of Jewish thing I want to be doing. This is exactly the kind of community I want to become part of. That felt like it came up again and again. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us from France and England. And it's, and it's funny, I feel like the, the parallels between Canada and the UK's Jewish community is a lot more accurate than comparing Canada to America. And in Quebec, where we are, it's very similar to what's going on in France. So just hearing your comparisons between those two definitely resonated to a lot of conversations we have here. That's really interesting. Um, before, before we let you go, if people are interested in participating in one of the Birthrong trips or, or just learning more about it, where, where can they tap into that? Where can they find the info? 
I would say to go to the Judas website, which is judas.org, J-E-W-D-A-S. Hopefully we'll be able to do one next year. I think uh, the last one was two years ago and it took a bit of time to organize another one, but I think people seem keen to do it and there's a lot more places to go. Both of you have a great time on Birthwrong. Thanks. Or in Birthwrong. I don't don't know, in Birthwrong? While you're participating in Birthwrong? Anyways, I don't (laughs) know the proper terminology. Hopefully you will compete one day with Birthright. Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious (laughs) and amazing. And we're back. In real time, outside of interview land. I will not real time because it's pre-recorded. Yes, but we're outside of the interview stage of this podcast. Hello. Hello, David. Um, <laughs> Say hello to them. Thank you to Tamara and to Kezia and to all of Judas and to folks who went on Birthrung. Mm-hmm. Apologies for my strange tone. I have spring fever, even though it's snowing in the middle of May. Again, if you're interested in learning more about Judas's activities, including Birthrong, uh, including the language school that they have set up there, you can visit their Facebook page. Judas is spelled J-E-W-D-A-S, or you can go to their website, which is judas.org. For devoted listeners of Trave Podcast who wake up in the morning and see if a new podcast has entered into the feed, you already know. But for new listeners or for people who are just tuning in because the word Judas is in the title of this episode, we have some news for you. Yeah, so to cover the cost of the show, we recently started what's called a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash podcast, you have the option of financially supporting the show so we can pay for hosting every year. We can pay for some microphones to record the show. There's different tiers of what we're hoping to do. You can see all of it laid out on patreon.com slash podcast. But again, if, if you have $5 to spend, we recommend that you spend that money on much more important movement fundraisers uh, that we have a list of uh, at travepodcast.com. If you have a second $5, it would be terrific if you uh, can consider supporting the show. If you do, thank you. If you don't, thank you. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Trave Podcast is Sam Bick and David Zinman. A huge thanks to CKUT 90.3 FM, where we record this podcast under the giant cross of secularism on occupied Ganegahaga territory. Thanks to Claire Hertig, our Minister of Design, to Cadence O'Neill, who designed TravePodcast.com, to Kira Page, our social media consultant, to C. Lavery for poster design, to Ariana Katz, the Trave staff rabbi, and to Josh Dolgan and Saxendrum for the music you heard in this episode. You can follow us on all the social medias at Traif, T-R-E-Y-F. Send us comments, suggestions, hate mail, loving notes to Podcast at gmail.com. And as we mentioned 45 seconds ago, if you can, please donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. See you soon. David has been exposed uh, as the Jewish scholar in residence. I, I David was looking at Wikipedia.com. You've concocted a fraud, Sam. <laughs> I bought two copies of your book. <laughs> I did due diligence. There's only one conclusion I could come to, Mr. Zinman. You've concocted a fraud. All right, all right. <laughs> um...